Doors are open. Get to your seats. You don't want to miss the action for the Shooting Pod Press. That's the name of this here show. I am your host tonight, Reynolds, the longest reigning and youngest champion in this show's storied history. You can follow me on Twitter at IamReynolds2305. Axe S. Mashman is on assignment this week playing the game. We have Rob. Go ahead and give your Twitter handle, Rob. I am at Rob Tatka, and I, that is with two Bs. So Rob, R-O-B-B, Tatka, T-A-T-K-A. And then we got James. James, go ahead and give your handle because it's very confusing. Uh, well, I just changed it, sir. It's uh, Billy Timber, 1990. Oh, okay, well, that's much easier than what it was before, which was like your name or just the first two, first two letters of your last name and then like a phone number. All right. On this week's show, it's pretty much all WrestleMania talk. We're going to get into some underdog plays. We'll get into what we think will be the show stealer of the night. And then at the end, we have a good old-fashioned throwdown between James and Rob, and I will decide the winner. We will start, as we always do, with the opening bell. And that first topic comes down to Vince McMahon breaking up the Hurt Business in order to make people want Drew to win. There's that conspiracy floating around. Do you buy it? We start with you, Rob. I actually do not buy this. What I actually believe is that we're trying to see Vince McMahon push Bobby Lashley even more so. And when you have that, you have to look at a situation with like someone like The Rock. We took them out of a stable and made them that one individual person to allow them to shine on their own. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of love uh, going towards Bobby Lashley coming from Vince McMahon, and and he's going to keep getting that push. I know a lot of people like Drew McIntyre, but I still think in this, it just makes Bobby Lashley, they want to make him look stronger, that he does not have to rely on a group of guys to help him win and to get that push. James, you do a lot of work in your spare time for the Hurt Business. What do you think of this? Well, yeah, I got some inside information that this is just a swerve, the breakup. And, you know, Cedric Alexander and uh, the Golden Standard will be helping my boy Bobby Lash to get the better WrestleMania. So neither one of you guys buy into this that the Hurt Business was immediately broken up in order to get fans to cheer Drew McIntyre. Neither one of you buy that at all. No, I don't really feel that is a strong enough move to make them cheer Drew. I think if that was going to be the case, he'd be over already. Due to the fact that he was the quote-unquote, superstar of the pandemic. It's like they were trying to push him. So I feel like if it was any time he's going to be over it now, the crowd really hasn't really responded to him, so I think they're going to move on and go with Lashley. Why yeah, you- I have to agree with oh, – I'm sorry, I have to agree with James on that one. I think that's just Lashley's the guy. Usually you see this, you go with one full year of someone, and then all of a sudden you go on to the next performer. And the only guy I could ever think of that didn't get, like, just one year, and it was always consistently more – would have been either Stone Cold Steve Austin or Hulk Hogan or even John Cena. But, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. The way it, everything happened, everyone sitting at home watching Raw last year, Drew McIntyre, he just wasn't the guy. And I think Vince is ready to move on to the next guy. And it's the almighty one, Bobby Lashley. It's his time. You got Rob, you brought up an interesting point in saying that you think that the breaking up of the Hurt Business is actually going to make Bobby Lashley stronger I disagree with that point because the way it's been executed so far with they immediately made him break up the Hurt Business, kick out uh, Shelton and Cedric and say, I don't I don't need your help. I can beat you on my own. And then he went to the 24-7 jobbers trying to get Drew taken out. And then finally this week on Raw, 
King Corbin. Why do you think that separating him from the Hurt Business is going to make Lashley stronger in the long run? Just looking at it is you have to see that Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander, they have to be off on their own because Cedric Alexander is someone that they're going to try to push his own way and you don't need Bobby Lashley with them. But I just go with the comparison of, you know, The Rock. Did you need D'Lo Brown and Mark Henry with him the entire time or The Godfather? No. They were just guys that, that were just there. Once you get rid of them and allow everyone to see that, hey, this is the guy, he doesn't need everyone else around him, that's what makes it even just more appealing of a performer. It's pretty much like wrestling 101 with the WWE. You take someone out of the stable, and we have them stand out uh, on their own and, and alone. Triple H with DX was the same thing. All of a sudden, we want to give him a push. He wasn't going to get it as a member of DX. He got it as Triple H, you know, the game. James, do you buy that? Do you like Lashley as a standalone, or do you like him with the Hurt Business as a whole? Uh, I think due to his non-existent promo skills, I think he kind of has to be in a stable or something to that extent. Uh, I, I don't feel his talking skills alone can allow him to be on his own. You know, so I, I think due to the fact that he's not a great talker, he's always going to need someone. So but you, that doesn't mean that he has to be with the Hurt Business. When you look at it, he could still have MVP with him. I think yeah, James's point. I think James's point is is valid because the the guys you brought up, Rob, Triple H, The Rock, they had the ability to carry everything on their own. They were bigger than the group. Bobby Lashley is not bigger than the Hurt Business. He's a mundane talker. James and I completely disagree on how good he is in the ring and and how much you know excitement he brings into this main event match with Drew McIntyre. But the point is Bobby Lashley is stronger as the focal point of this group where he can have Cedric and Shelton backing him up and have MVP do the talking and have a stronger show of force. Cedric is not somebody that they are going to push anywhere down the line. He's much more likely outside of the Hurt Business to go the Ali route. So I, I don't buy the, the argument that Cedric is going to be some kind of breakout star a la Ricky Starks from Team Taz. I, I will give you that one. But one other comparison I could get to it is someone who did not have the mic skills, someone that they just wanted to push out there, and it took many years until we're seeing how it is right now, and that's Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns did not belong out on his own initially. He had just so much, so much heat from all of the fans who just kept saying, this guy does not deserve it, does not deserve it, had zero mic skills. And all of a sudden, yes, they did the right thing and put him with Paul Heyman to do a lot of those promos, although he does a lot on his own now. But it's just when, when you just look at how WWE always is, they want that guy just to be the focal point, and he has to be out there just on his own. Yeah, I don't know. The, the Roman comparison, I don't know how much I buy that because Roman I don't think was ever as bad as Lashley. Roman was not was not great on the mic, and that was kind of a focal point of the stuff with him and John Cena going back and forth at each other. I, I forget exactly when that was, but Cena was calling him out, and they were trying to up Roman's mic skills. I think Roman had the personality, but they were trying to slot oh, him. He, they were trying to slot him was, in to what WWE he was, does. He was terrible on the mic. Terrible. Just even go back the day after the WrestleMania when he beat the Undertaker. He's just standing in the ring, and all he can say is, "It's my yard now." That was actually a good promo from him because uh, he, they just let the crowd react uh, and then he completely owned the moment. That was one of his better ones to that point. I, I agree with Reynolds on that one. I, I agree with that. Just due to 
that he comes out, crowd's just like giving it to him with your you beat Undertaker it should never have happened. And instead of him stumbling and fumbling through a promo, he let him he let them fool him to death and just gave him that one line. It's my yard now, which really was foreshadowing because it is. Exactly, that's but exactly what that, that match was. Did. Yeah, but that was how many years exactly, ago now? Exactly, Reynolds. It really was. It was really transitioning from the Undertaker being that uh, quote unquote locker room leader to really it being uh, Roman Reigns. Yeah, and that would have been WrestleMania 33, and what? So four years ago at this four point. Four years time. ago. And Roman and Roman showed signs of having an actual personality when he was doing PR stuff. I've never seen that from Bobby Lashley. Even when he was on his own and he's doing Bellator fights, he just sounds like a big, dumb meathead that has a great look and knows how to fight. But we can't sit here and talk about this one all night. We got to move on. Right now, I'm going to say James is in the slight lead coming out of that first segment there. What we got to go to now is WrestleMania... Too big for one night, guys. And and you know what? We are kind of dropping the ball because WWE doesn't want you to say WrestleMania. If you've noticed, you have to say it this way. WrestleMania. You have to separate the two words. So I'm going to try <laughs> to do that without putting a gun in my mouth because I heard it so okay. many- you also You also sound a lot like this McMahon there, so it actually worked pretty well to wrestle. Mania. Oh, I was I was losing my mind last night watching Raw. Just I just the constant every single time. I'm like, can we just say it normal just once? Hey, I, I agree with Reynolds. That was one of the worst go home Raws I have ever seen. It, it, it no storyline development whatsoever. Yeah. Oh, just absolutely brutal. But to get back on point here to to SmackDown. We got a two night WrestleMania and then SmackDown the night before the first night of WrestleMania that they are now slotting in matches that would have usually gone on to that show. You have the Andre the Giant Battle Royal and a fatal four-way tag match for the SmackDown Tag Championships, which, to me, the big takeaway from that is the SmackDown Tag Team titles can't even make it onto a two-night WrestleMania. Every other title, even the Raw Tag titles, have made it onto the actual main card of that show, but SmackDown can't just get over that. And the women's tag titles also are going to be represented on both nights. So that's just a level of insanity. We don't need to go down that rabbit hole. But what do you guys think of the WrestleMania edition of SmackDown? Good idea, bad idea. Start with you, James. Uh, I, I like the the angle they had with, with Edge and really bringing him to the forefront of like the crazy, like paranoid. I, I loved how he did the, the commentary. Like he was like paranoid. He, he had his eyes on both of the dudes. And I loved also how they had Daniel Bryan attack both of them to make him seem like a credible threat to Roman Reigns and Edge. So I think that they did a, due to the fact that that's the, really the best program growing on the, the whole roster right now, I think they did a great job of driving that home with those three guys. Not exactly the, the question I was asking there, James. I'm saying about as far as putting WrestleMania matches and building SmackDown essentially as a WrestleMania pre-show, do you like that idea? Um. Uh, no, I, I don't. I don't really like it as as a as a pre-show to WrestleMania. I think they should just go to the traditional route of just giving us the last character development and story development going into the show. Fair enough, Rob. What do you really think? Pre, uh, that much of a pre-show from SmackDown. No, I, I actually do like this, and the main reason why is this is going to be the very first uh, WWE event for WrestleMania-wise, on Peacock. 
So there's nothing that says that they could have a quote unquote free show prior to it based off of how the time different or how everything they want to start with. If you go with this, remember, this is becoming WrestleMania week now. Today was the Hall of Fame ceremony. Tomorrow and then on Thursday is two nights of NXT. So if you're doing that, you can't just slot a SmackDown in there and then all of a sudden think, okay, we're going to keep up with our storylines. People are now being drawn to the fact that, oh, this is everything that's building up for WrestleMania. So instead of doing, what would you say, a one-hour, 30-minute pre-show, now you're doing a two-hour pre-show where you can keep driving at home, go get the Peacock Network, go get the Peacock Network so that you can watch WrestleMania. You can see these matches and keep building it up sort of like you would see that that half hour before. Now you're seeing it a whole night before. They just keep building those things up. And, and like you said, it is, Reynolds, it is very sad that you have the fatal four-way for the tag team championships, SmackDown tag team championships. I'm such a huge Dolph Ziggler fan, and it's just not going to be the same type of WrestleMania when you don't have the show-off on the night where every wrestler shows off. I mean, it's, it's the night for Dolph Ziggler. It just kills me. Usually James says the thing that I think is most insane. You actually beat him to the punch on this one with the the love of Dolph Ziggler and saying it won't be the same without Dolph on the show. The Uh-oh. show will be fine without Dolph. Dolph. I've been a Dolph backer for years. Years. Uh, right now, I would say, and I think Dolph has completely phoned it at this point now because he knows what his ceiling is, but right now his brother is actually more interesting on AEW Dark. Than, than Dolph Ziggler. Although I got to give credit to Dolph Ziggler for calling out Michael Cole when he got his tag team to him wrong twice uh, you know, on back-to-back weeks. Ziggler might have had his time, but I wasn't really watching back then, and I've never really bought into it. Right, Ziggler, to me, is kind of now what I feel about Karrion Cross, where a lot of people tell me how good he is, and I just haven't seen it with my own eyes. That's the thing. I would say back in 2011 was when I started to be like this big Dolph Ziggler fan. Now that's 10 years ago, you look at some of the, like the highlights for him. Obviously, when he cashed in Money in the Bank the night after WrestleMania 29, and that, that I mean that arena just blew up in New Jersey when he came out. But like you said, since then, right, he has tail off, but he's just still one of my favorites. I just get a thrill every time seeing Dolph Ziggler out there. I will say, as far as the back to the original question, which was the promotional tactic of making WrestleMania matches for SmackDown, it makes sense. And to me, the biggest benefit of doing that is, well, number one, you have the promotion, but also the fact that these, just the marathon cards that they were doing where WrestleMania was like eight, eight and a half hours long, including pre-shows, to where we're probably going to get shows that are right around or right under the three-hour mark for both night one and night two, and we don't need the Andre Battle Royal or the, the I mean, that, to me, the tag title should be represented. You could do a you know a triple threat winner gets the tag match on whatever night and, and still get that match on there. But you're not elongating the card unnecessarily with matches that, for the most part, people don't care about. One thing I did think was interesting was looking at the betting odds, which we'll get to in just a moment, and seeing that they had listed on there of Ziggler and Rude versus the Mysterios. And I have not seen any indication that that match was going to get added. Completely possible. But, I mean, are you, do you guys have any interest in seeing a straight tag team match between the Mysterios and Rude and Ziggler? We'll start with you, James, since I know the love affair that Rob has with Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, uh, first off, you can tell how much WWE programming cares about that team when they don't get their name right. 
when they don't have a strict name, who cares about Southwick or besides Rob? And I don't think anyone cares about Rob Root, whatever his name, whatever his Root name is. That's one of the worst tag team champions I've ever seen. And I think you might as well have the Mysterios beat him and have win a championship so at least you'll have some newsworthy to talk about as far as that match. Because if not them, you won't have any news regarding that match at all. Rob, what do you got? One, I would never want to see the Mysterios out there. If you talk about someone I've never been a huge fan of, it's Ray Mysterio Jr. And now you add his son in there as well. They're trying to make it out like this is Ken Griffey Jr. and Ken Griffey Sr. going out there to hit back-to-back home runs. I just I can't stand, stand seeing those two go out there. And you're going to go up against – I can't believe you Robert Roode, Bobby Roode, and Dolph Ziggler. I, 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 oh God, I'm going to die on this hill. I am just a huge fan of both of those guys. It's just when they put two of those two together. Granted, it's pretty much like we've heard in the past. Hey, we got nothing for them. Just throw them together. And it kind of worked for them right now. You know, the glorious one, Bobby Roode, going out there. Sure, it's not the best gimmick going, but he's still, you know, he's under contract. Let's use him. And he's going to get other people over as well. He's just a phenomenal talent from his time at Impact or TNA. He's a member of Beer Money. I was I've just always been a fan of both of those guys. I mean, but seriously, though, I would I don't want to see them face off against the Mysterios. I'm just, as much as I'm a fan of I am of Dolph Ziggler, Ray Mysterio Jr. just does not move the needle for me. Wow, what a what a huge pivot we have going on right now. But I, I, I'll say this about the Mysterios and Ziggler match that right now is in theory based off of seeing betting odds for it, even though there's no story inclination. I don't want to see that match for the purpose of you're rushing that story beat of just to do Ray and Dominic win the tag titles at WrestleMania. It would be like when they broke the losing streak for Kurt Hawkins and had him and Ryder beat uh, FTR, I believe it was, for the tag titles on the pre-show of that WrestleMania in New Jersey. They didn't do the proper setup and you wasted the moment and fans were like, eh, all right. Like, yeah, they're our guys, but... You know, we'll move on, and then, I, I don't know, I forget how long they, before they dropped those titles, and it was meaningless, and that's pretty much what I think would happen with the Mysterios. Let's move along to the betting odds and the million-dollar man bankroll that we've been supplied by Axe S. Mashman, which, by the way, you can follow him on Twitter, at MashHost. One thing that he threw out here on this format, I should, by the way, I should have said that at the beginning, that he gave us the format, and very much like WWE would, he threatened us with... He, with termination if we deviated in any way so we're not allowed right. to do anything organic on the show everything has been written down which is now a complete lie no let's get to the betting odds and what I want to throw out to you guys is find me the underdog play that's the with the most probability from night one and night two we'll start with night one and I'm going to read the odds first they just officially made the tag match on Monday bad bunny and Damian Priest are minus 950 favorites, Miz and Morrison, plus $5. McIntyre and Lashley, McIntyre is a $2 favorite, Lashley plus 150 on the take back. Strowman is a $5 favorite over Shane McMahon, who's plus 300. Cesaro, a $3 favorite over Seth Rollins, who's plus $2. Bianca Belair, a $4 favorite, Sasha Banks plus 250. Styles and Amis, minus $4, and The New Day, plus 250. From all that... Rob, find me the best underdog value. Mine is actually going to be Seth Rollins as a $2 underdog. Uh, right off the bat, the way I see it, you have a guy who lost last year against KO. 
And I don't see him doing another job again. And this time for Cesaro, uh, the big difference is Kevin Owens is someone that I think we can always gather around and get a big thrill out of his matches. And you kind of cheer for KO often. Cesaro, you know, like I said, good dude. We mentioned this last week. Goes out there, has some good matches, but that's that's pretty much it. When it comes down to it, Seth Rollins is just, to me, the guy that you want to have. I mean, he's the SmackDown Messiah for a reason. So you're not going to have Seth Rollins, I think, lose in back-to-back years at WrestleMania. I got to go with Rollins as a $2 underdog there coming out on top. Solid. James, what do you got? I'm going to go with the New Day. Uh, I don't see uh, AJ almost coming out with a win. I think, uh, really, I think they might split. I think that that might be the program, AJ, to to really uh, build him up. And I just think it would be another way to give a a New Day uh, WrestleMania moment. So I think it would be easy underdog right there, win right there with the New Day. Interesting. Now, do you have any concern that Styles has lost three straight weeks going into this, and it's typical for Vince McMahon to lose, 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 Shock winner. That, that was a very great point. That was a very great point, and and that I think that is a a better should look at that. But I really feel like that that's going to be the transition. It's going to be AJ to really you know give this kid a run at the main roster. Yeah, I don't I don't know that I can buy into that. I I think it's much more likely that you have these first time pairing of Styles and Amos taking the titles off the New Day. I think it's much more likely to give Styles that bullet point of winning a tag team championship, make Amis a force, have it have the spot be where he finally gets in the match and then they actually, you know, wreck shop. I think that's much more likely than trying to do some kind of, you know, middle ground here with the New Day that's going to build up on the show. I, I think I'm trying to look at this and see where all the good moments are coming from. And my guess would be... McIntyre over Lashley, Strowman over McMahon, and then possibly Bianca over Sasha. I think though, and then Bad Bunny and Damian Priest. I think that's like four baby faces winning. I I can't see the argument for for New Day being slotted in that and then throwing off the throwing off the balance. As far as Cesaro and Seth Rollins, I like your point, Rob, that Seth Rollins lost the last year. Cesaro really, in this little buildup, has not hit home runs with his promos. Last week on SmackDown, he was singing that swing is in the air, and he just comes off more goofy than an actual badass. And I think there's a better story with him getting the shot and failing on the big stage that could play out longer term and then maybe possibly get you to him challenging Roman Reigns for the title on like a B-level pay-per-view. What do you think about that, Rob? I completely agree with Lino. I agree with both of you guys on that one because Cesaro is someone that if you're trying to build him as a as a babyface, you know, you don't always have to win. And that's the main thing with it is just you got to keep that little push if they're having good matches out there. And, yeah, if, if he could have a good match with Seth Rollins, which I fully expect him to, you just kind of, you know, let him go in there. He may even need to lose uh, – Outright, there could be some some cheating in there for Seth Rollins to get it done. He could still keep him going because, yeah, you do need to have guys lined up for Reigns the entire time. You can't just always have some of the same ones that we keep seeing go around and around. Got to start building up new rivalries for four Reigns, and I think Cesaro would be a really good one, uh, especially in like you were saying, Reynolds. He can, he could theoretically Cesaro 
lose the match, but have like a ton of interference in it, or where something goes wrong, you're still you're not going to lose any uh, ba- uh, backing or pushing for, for Cesaro. He'll be set, ready to go for, for his next rivalry. It's an excellent point on the on the cheating to win. You know, I don't know how they get there. Whether or not it be something as stupid as having Murphy come back and and be the disciple again. Or whether that's it's, exactly what I was thinking. That's, yeah. that, I mean, that's the only thing at this point now because you know when Rollins did have that little group with him, whether it was uh, AOP, even though they were just always hurt and useless. But Murphy actually kind of helped him with it as being that main disciple. So if you bring him back into the fold, very very good. And then at that point, so you could even put the two of them back into tag team situations as well if you're trying to get someone else over. Because Seth Rollins at this point. You know, he doesn't need a title. He's going to give some of the best matches out there on SmackDown and just let him get help build guys for that next level for Reigns. Yeah, I don't know about putting him back with, with Murphy. I, I think a much better play would be to bring somebody up from NXT or, you know, have some, you know, some exciting return, be paired up with him along that route. You know, I think there's other routes they could get there, you know, with, I don't, I don't know, a rake of the eyes or a low blow or, or anything like that would be fine. But, I, you know, th- that you can kind of protect Cesaro in the loss, I think, would be a better route. I, I'll tell you one that I think is interesting, and neither one of you guys mentioned it here, is Shane McMahon at plus $3 over Braun Strowman. It's not, I don't know that it's likely because the story has been so, I mean, just, antagonistic from Shane of calling Braun dumb and they leaned into the PR part of it where I was bullied, which is absolutely ridiculous because just about six months ago after Survivor Series, Braun was bullying Adam Pearce for not being in a championship match. You know, and to me, the the key to this, though, is that Braun has actually been stupid. Like, Shane's been calling him stupid for weeks and Braun has pretty much proven him right. And this has not done anything to show Braun in any kind of different light. They haven't made him sympathetic at all. And I actually think you get more out of Shane McMahon getting the win by outsmarting him and maybe even continuing that feud, but giving the next win over Shane McMahon, making that mean more. What do you think of that, James? Did we lose you again, James? Oh, uh, I, I agree with you. I think Shane McMahon is a great underdog. Uh, you can easily see him beat Strowman and have he have his WrestleMania moment, and Strowman can go back to being the monster and destroying people. So I agree with you. I, I think that's a great one to get the batteries out there. What about you, Rob? See, I can't go with Shane McMahon with this on, because of his history at WrestleMania, whether he's facing The Undertaker or he's facing, uh, you know, X-Pac. If he gets the win... There's a ton of different reasons on why he gets it. It's not just a one-on-one match. It's like, who else is going to be out here helping Shane McMahon? There's no way that Strowman is going to lose to, of all people, Shane McMahon. I just think it's one of those things he goes in there. He just dominates from beginning to end with it. I mean, I think the, I think the odds are just a little bit too tight for me on this one. I mean, it's not bad, bad bunny area. You know, where the, you're talking about giving up nearly $10 on it. But, you know, for, for Shano, getting three, I think yeah, I'd be more on the line of him getting about, you know, three and a half to four on this one. Strowman, I mean, it, it's, I'd lay the five on Strowman as the favorite just to get a dollar back. So that's, that's why it's like that one, I, I just can't see an upset really happening on this one. That may end up being the shortest match of 
night one. It's one of those things, just go in there, big squash match, lets everybody down after a pretty pretty good, you know, first, second match of the night. And Strowman ends it, and we move on to the next one. Mm, interesting. I don't see a squash match happening. I don't think they'll use Shane McMahon that way. I, I think him taking down Strowman with one camera shows you that they want Shane to be a legitimate threat and they want to treat him like he actually is somebody worth paying attention to, even though he has the worst strikes in the history of pro wrestling. Like, I've, I've said this before. I've used this line, but... Completely, completely agree. Yeah, Ronda Rousey thinks Shane, Shane McMahon striking is bad. <laughs> let's get to, let's find an upset on night two here, all right? I'm going to run these down for you. Rhea Ripley, a $4 favorite. Asuka, plus 250 Big E and Apollo Crews in a Nigerian drum fight, which I don't know what that is, but it sounds very racist. It's uh, Apollo Crews, minus 140 Big E, even money. Uh, we'll skip the Mysterio since that's not an official match, and we already kind of bagged on that a little bit. Kevin Owens, minus 350 Sami Zayn, plus 225 The Fiend, minus 950 Randy Orton, plus $5. Riddle, minus 150 Sheamus, plus 110 and then, of course, we have the triple threat. Edge is the favorite at plus 115. Roman Reigns, plus 150. Daniel Bryan, 2-1. to one. Find me the upset there. James, we'll start with you. <laughs> James, are you there? Uh, we're going Roman Reigns, plus 150. I know the money has moved towards Edge winning it, but I, I think that's more of just buyer's remorse and the, the public loving Reigns. Uh, Edge, but I think we're definitely uh, going to have the head of the table leave WrestleMania as a uh, champion and still. So I think you can easily get value at the plus one fifty. All right, Rob, what do you got? The one I think that's got the biggest odds. I think Randy Orton. I will go ahead and, and go with that at plus five hundred. I think he takes out the scene. I, what I saw last Friday with him and Ale- or I'm sorry, last Monday with him and Alexa Bliss was just absolutely stupid. I mean, why is she pouring, quote, gasoline on herself and threatening to light you know, herself on fire and all this? This stuff is getting way out of hand. And at this point, there's really nothing that says, oh, yeah, The Fiend is going to win this one for this reason. At this point, Randy Orton has done so much where he's looked bad. I don't see at, – at a he does the job there. Just it's good. I think it's gonna be a good, not great match because Randy Orton does give good matches, as well as Bray Wyatt. But I would actually take that risk. I really think that at five dollars, I'll, I'll go ahead and take that one and go with Randy Orton. That's interesting because I feel like you just made the opposite argument against Strowman and McMahon because Shane's been so so bad to Strowman. That was pretty much what I was saying. Is that like and Strowman hasn't shown enough. To, to get you on his side, that that's why you go with that. Now, The Fiend doesn't have that same issue, but you're saying that that's what you believe with Randy Orton. My main reason with Shane McMahon is just because, you know, the last name is McMahon. They don't really want, and I say they, WWE, does not really want it to be the fans getting turned off all the time that you see a McMahon coming out on top. So that's the only reason why I would go really more so with Braun Strowman. Plus, if you are Braun Strowman, how would you feel that, hey, I'm, I'm jobbing out to the son, uh, the son of the, the owner? You know, in this situation here with Randy Orton, I just really think that he's he's been doing so much with this whole storyline. 
where it's just he just looks ridiculous from time to time. Then you get his wife calling out Alexa Bliss on Twitter for the way that she straddled Orton uh, <laughs> in, 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 for the pin. That's like he's been doing so much with this. Let's just kind of give let's give back to Orton and let him get at least get one in here. Interesting. I, I don't uh, I don't see it that way. Uh, the pin thing. I, I by the way, I, I feel like I'm in the minority on that. Everybody took that as a sexual thing. I don't think I saw anything sexual about it other than just a, a woman sitting cowgirl on a guy. I thought that was more of a demonstration of power thing than anything else. The the I want to go back to James here with making the argument for Roman Reigns because I think I think he's right. I think there's great potential for Reigns to walk out of here, especially with Brian and Edge. If they have issues that take them take their focus off Reigns for enough time, he can escape with the title, and then Brian and Edge can work a long program for the rest of the year while Reigns has new challengers. James, for Reigns, what is the best possible outcome for him to win this match? I think it's clean. I think it's, he catches the spear. I, I, I think this is going to be a finish. I think Edge spears Daniel Bryan, and when he turns around, he's going to eat one from, from Roman Reigns. So that way, Roman Reigns walked out with a semi-clean win, and Edge had a great match. He looked like he was going to get it, and then Roman just snapped it from under him. So that's how I feel the match is going to play out. Interesting. I See, to me, I kind of feel the way they get there is, uh, and I've been saying this for a while now, but I think now is the absolute time that you bring back Jimmy Uso, and you make the Usos whole, and that's Reigns taking full advantage of the no disqualification. And then, you know, you know what? I'm about to make that argument, but I, I really do think it's better for Brian and Edge to be the ones that take each other out. So maybe, I don't know, maybe you bring back the Usos and then Edge and Daniel Bryan have to team up to take out take out the Usos, and then they go back to fighting each other and, and Roman takes a, takes over. What, either way, I do think you have to have Roman walk out with the title. I don't think now is the time to take the title off him. I would say this as far as an underdog play on night, one, on night two. I think Sami Zayn at plus 225 is interesting because you can make an argument either way for Zayn or Owens, and I don't think either one of them will lose much coming out of this. And I think the, the best possible solution, I think we talked about this on last week's show, is to build it and then have the rematch the next year. So what do you guys think of Sami Zayn at plus 225? I like Sami Zayn in this one. The only thing that changes up is that he has Logan Paul in his corner now. And if you're just watching the whole conspiracy, like it just having, having Logan Paul on Sami Zayn's show, and then even, I don't know if you guys saw this, the WWE Network, uh, like behind the scenes stuff where Sami goes to a sparring session where the Paul brothers are at. And it's really funny because we're talking about this last week. If you look on the wall, this is all on WWE.com. It says it was all a dream. Now, I know it was, that's like the, the uh, tagline for Triller Promotions and everything that the Paul brothers are, are with, but it just, it just made me think right, right away, Sami Zayn, again, with this whole conspiracy thing, and Kevin Owens saying, I'm going to have to stun you the entire time until you get, you, you know, get back to normal. There's no way that they're going to have Logan Paul be there the entire time and then all of a sudden I, not turn on Sami Zayn. Like, that's what I kind of see is going to happen here because he looks at Sami Zayn like, bro, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, here comes Kevin Owens. I think you're going to see Logan Paul kind of turn on Sami Zayn, go with Kevin Owens. That's the only reason why I would say 
okay, I don't see Sami Zayn winning this one. It's sort of like the Bad Bunny thing where you're not going to have a celebrity go out there and look bad. So you, you've spent all the money for them, for the promotion, for people to tune in and watch. I just see it happening uh, in, in that respect. James, what do you think about Zayn taking that one? Uh, Zayn is a great pick for that due to the fact that he's, I think he's the hottest act on TV. He's very believable. He, he makes you really think that he really thinks it's a conspiracy. He really makes you think he's crazy. And plus, he's just been, I think, comedy-wise, some of the best things WWE has done in a while. So I think, uh, why not strike with Iron's hot and go over a hot performer and give him a win at WrestleMania? I'm with you on Sami Zayn being one of the best things on TV. He's absolutely fantastic. This whole conspiracy thing is great. It's, it's another evidence of why you don't need a title to be entertaining and on television. You just need a good story. And he's got that character so locked in. They've got so much out of it. I would say on the Logan Paul aspect of it, I don't think, I mean, he's not in the bad bunny realm. I don't think they have the same respect for him. I don't think that he's going to bring in the same eyes. And I think they are kind of playing it down the middle of which way he could go. Because after Owen stunned Sami Zayn on SmackDown last week, he shoved Logan. I'm almost always going to screw up his name because I want to call him the other Paul brother. But he shoved mm-hmm. Logan Paul, and it looked very similar to how Ben Askren shoved Jake Paul. You know, he just didn't put his hand on the face. And I'm almost certain that that was what that was supposed to invoke right there. I do see a scenario where Logan Paul turns on Sami Zayn, but I think the way you do that is if he does turn on Sami Zayn and go, hey, you're too crazy, man, blah, 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 or Sami maybe annoys him into turning on him, and then Kevin Owens hits the stunner anyway on Logan Paul. I think that's how you're going to have to do that ending to to make that a satisfying end because I, I don't think Logan Paul was good enough in his time on the mic on SmackDown last week. Let's move ahead now to predictions for WrestleMania. And before the show, we were talking about this. Again, we're going to separate everything, night one, night two. So night one, give me what you think could possibly be the show stealer. And I'm going to say this right now. A show stealer cannot be the main event. So if you believe Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley is the main event, that cannot be your choice for show stealer. If you believe Sasha Banks, Bianca Belair is the main event, that cannot be your choice for show stealer. Are we clear on that, guys? Yes. Okay. Rob, we'll start with you here. Give me the match that will steal the show on night one. I'm going to go with Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. I don't believe that that is going to be what closes out night one of WrestleMania. I believe it will be Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre closing that out. But I just think that Sasha Banks, Bianca Belair, if you want to get the fans going to start the, the entire night, the very first match of the two-night WrestleMania, you've got to go with Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. They're going to go out there and they're going to really, really get the fans going because, remember, this is going to be the very first show in well over a year that fans are actually in attendance and they'll be there at Raymond James Stadium. Thanks and Bel Air, just to get people going, it should be the match of the night. I think it's just going to be the best one overall, potentially for the entire show, both nights. Mm, Big stuff there. You did touch on something. I I want to talk about that, but I want to get James's take here. Show stealer from night one. What do you got, James? I'm going, to go, I'm going Cesaro and Seth Rollins, and I think that's going to be the one. I think uh, those two in-ring ability matches is incredible. And I think due to the friendship behind the scenes of Rollins and Cesaro, I think he's, he's going to sell for Cesaro so much and let Cesaro do all his crowd, crowd-pleasing offense. But then also, I think we're going to see the athletic side of Rollins. We haven't seen him in a while. He's been gone for a while. So I think people have really, you know, forgotten how great of an athlete he is. So I think he's going to bring that as well to the match. So I think they're going to have a great match together. I think both of you guys make good points there. 
I think if Sasha Bianca is not the main event, which it does not appear that WWE will do, I think opening the show with them would be right. Because I, I threw this suggestion out there on Twitter on Monday night. Again, you can follow me at I am Reynolds 2305. You can't, the, the problem with doing Drew and Lashley as the opener, because Drew actually threw this out there in an interview of saying that they could open the show since it's the first, first show back with fans. And that makes sense. I don't think the match will be good enough to open the show. I don't think it's the right tone where Sasha and Bianca could deliver better in that spot. I think Sasha and Bianca is the better main event, but I don't think WWE will see it that way or pull the trigger on that. So as far as show stealing ability, I'm with you. On that, Rob, I think Sasha and Bianca could be that. But Cesaro and Seth Rollins is like your complete wrestling nerd dream where you hear people talk about, you know, all the ring work in this one. Like, that's the match that people are going to talk about. Even the the story is not that bad. I I don't think it's been that entertaining because I don't think Cesaro is that entertaining. But I think people will overlook that enough because they like both guys a ton. Although Seth was kind of back to his old tricks of, you know, trying to parrot out the WWE directive, which is going to get people to hate him. I don't know if you guys saw that story where he was pretty much saying that you, it's almost hard to be a babyface nowadays because people just don't like everything instead of just acknowledging, hey, we tell garbage stories from time to time. <laughs> no, that, that one made me chuckle. That was good. Because that's, that's just honesty. By you, Reynolds. <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was going to be yeah, Seth's honesty? I was like, I don't know that it's honesty. I think he's definitely one of those guys that, to me, like him and Drew were just like, what do you want me to say, Vince? You got it. No questions asked. Yep. Yep. They are they are company men. It's like they are very happy to be there. They don't want to be anywhere else. They're, like, living their dream. And if you want me to shave my head and walk down the aisle backwards, I will do that. <laughs> walk down the aisle backwards. Saw it. All right, night two. Give me the show stealer on night two. We all know Roman Reigns, Edge, and Daniel Bryan is the main event. So what are your options, James? Show stealer, night two. What do you go with? My show stealer, night two, is definitely going to be Riddle and Sheamus. I think that's going to be a very hard-hitting match. I think it's going to be just 15 minutes of just strikes and slams. and I think it's going to be back and forth. You really don't know who's going to win. I think they're going to be a great show. And I think at the very end, pulls a bro kick out of nowhere and becomes the new United States champion. All right, Rob, what do you got? I got to go with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. It's just because of their history. I think they can go out there and just give the best absolute match possible with it. But we mentioned you have Logan Paul in there. That's the only thing that scares me that it's like, okay, this is not going to be the best match of night two. But I still have that belief that no matter what, KO, Sami Zayn, all the other stuff aside, don't even look at, in many respects, the storyline to it. They're going to go out there. It's about hard hitting. They can go out there and beat the crap out of each other as well and make it believable and make you think that here are two friends who really are not getting along right now, one trying to help out the other. I, I just really, I'm pulling for it. You know, you can hear it in my voice. It's just a hope that it is because I want it to be the best match of night two. Because what scares me is that it's going to be somewhat of a sideshow type deal. It may not even be a very long match in general, but I just I'm really, really wanting it to be KO and Sami Zayn. The other one that I mean, if it's not that, hey, I got to go with the other women's match with Asuka and Rhea Ripley because we know that both of these young ladies they could go out there and just have a match. We saw it last year with Rhea Ripley opening up night two with Charlotte. Asuka is another one that 
I'm glued to my seat every single time she's out there. Her act is so good from beginning to end that she she is so believable out there. The, the two of them could just tear down the house night two, and that one wouldn't even be. I, I know you. I think you mentioned this last week, uh, as well as our first show, Reynolds, that it could be the opener for night two. But I would have that one slotted right in the middle, and that's something that would just be just outstanding. And then after that, you kind of have it where you know something just kind of brings the house down just a little bit after that. But I, my hope, like I said, is Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. But if not, I, I'd go with Oscar and Rhea Ripley. Good choice. All right. So if you don't open the show with Oscar and Rhea, what do you open with? Uh, looking at it, I think Riddle and Sheamus is going to be one that that starts off night two. You look at someone. Like Riddle, you want to get him over. Sheamus has opened up WrestleManias before. It's not going to be something out of the ordinary for him. I think that match alone could be the one that goes in there. It's like, oh, okay, here we go. We're going to get the fans going. Fans generally like Riddle. We all know what Sheamus brings to the table. So that's the one I think would pretty much open up night two. Nah, I think you're dead wrong on that. You know, and on the ah. on the Riddle Sheamus front on this, Riddle Sheamus is a buffer match. We already saw this like four or five times before Survivor Series, and we just watched it. What was it? Not this past week on Raw, but the week prior for the whole pin the champ, get a shot at the champ thing. This this very much is a buffer match where Sheamus to me is going to win over the Stoner Riddle. And you're going to forget about it because it's on to whatever the next thing is going to be. Like this is, to me, this could very much be the match that goes right before the Reigns match at the end. Because just to to kind of cool everything down, maybe, you know, it's a buffer between The Fiend and Orton or something like that. You you want them, I think the match that brings the house down right before the main event is actually going to be Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler defending their... I think think Reynolds is exactly right with, with his placement. Of a riddle and Sheamus, but that is my reasoning why I think it's going to be so silly. Because I think it's going to be such an afterthought match or afterthought situation, and they're going to really sell it in the ring. Because there has been absolutely no buildup. There's been absolutely, you're right, Reynolds, it should be a, a buffer because no one's really invested in it. But I think the in ring product between those two men will be a so seller, especially since no one had it on their mind in the first place. I mean, I get the argument, but I just I think if that's your show stealer, then we are talking about a historically bad WrestleMania at that point in time. I, I think Owens and Zane, for some of the mentions that Rob mentioned, it's just the history. I guarantee these two guys dreamed of facing each other at WrestleMania, probably in the main event, but I think they'll be happy just going one-on-one with each other on the card. And the fact that this thing was kind of thrown together pretty quickly, that the company hasn't tied, had time to really screw with it with a bunch of bad creative directions that they can kind of get to do it their way. So I think that's your potential right there. Oscar Rhea Ripley, I think, I, I'm very high on both women. I, I think they've had a comical misstep in the last two weeks with Ripley throwing the table in Oscar's face, and then this week on the show of Rhea Ripley, apparently her master plan for getting Oscar weekend was to agree to a tag match, then get her own ass kicked for a majority of that match, and then randomly take out Asuka and throw her in so she takes a loss and then act like I'm a genius. That makes her an idiot, and it also makes Asuka an idiot <laughs> for trusting her so so easily. I mean, that's just bad WWE storytelling, and that's, I think it really is going to hurt this match. Well, the thing uh, that's always killed me with WWE is like we throw our main events into tag matches prior to a WrestleMania where it's like, why, why are you doing this? This goes back to Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior. Triple H and John Cena. It's like, we're going to tag up before. It's like, why? Yeah. Like, I mean, we know they're not going to get along. 
they're both going for the same prize. And I thought I was the only person who noticed that, that Ripley getting her butt kicked for the majority of that match, and that was supposed to be the way of showing that she's got the mental edge on her. Like, that was crazy. Yeah, they worked over her knee, and is, and then she's after, you know, just slams Oscar down and just goes like, ah, look at me, behold my master plan. I'm like, ah, oh, get out of here. And I like, I like Rhea Ripley a lot, but that was just a bad storyline idea. I, I still think... You know what? With with that bad story, Owens and Zayn might be your better shot to open up night two. But I I thought the best story possible would have been Rhea's redemption from losing the night the WrestleMania before going that way. So on that note, let's go back to night one and go. What's the match you're most looking forward to, James? We'll start with you. That would be the uh, Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre. You know, I, I think it, there's a match where you don't really know who's going to come out champion. And, and that's the intrigue you kind of want to have going into WrestleMania. And I think those guys, while their styles are not the most exciting, I think wrestling each other, it will be due to the fact that they'll, I think they'll stick to their strengths, not try to go outside of that. And I think they'll put a good storytelling between who is the better warrior, who is the stronger competitor. And I think that that's kind of a match that has been lost in the annals of WrestleMania for a while. There's two guys who think they're the best, who they're the strongest, and they go out for it. So I, I can't wait to see that match. Uh, me and you, it's documented. We disagree on that match, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rip you for your opinion on why you're looking forward to that. Rob, what do you got? What's the match are you looking forward to on night one? Reynolds, I think I'm gonna shock you with this one, and I'm not trying to kiss up to you, but I do think that Bad Bunny and Damian Priest versus The Miz and John Morrison is going to be a very very good match. I'm looking forward to that one, and it's just really because, like you said, it's there's so much about The Miz that you have to like right now. And you bring in John Morrison with them as well. I think there's just a lot to it where they could, you know, they're going to make Damian Priest look a whole lot better. You know, Bad Bunny, yes, he's there for, as an attraction. But it's like, who can be the standout of it? I think Damian Priest is someone that's going to be sort of like the guy that stands out in this in this tag team match. And then, you know, you, like I said, you have Bad Bunny in there. Sure, he'll get the pinfall over the Miz more than likely. But I'm just, I'm kind of intrigued. I want to see, I'm like really excited to see how that one actually plays out. I, I tell you what, if you had said that a week ago, I would have been like, absolutely. But the the story they told on Raw this week was so bad, it severely downgraded that whole match for me. That just And it was with one bad bunny promo. Like, he comes out there, and he's like, I love, I love WWE, I love WWE. And then he brings a, a $3.6 million card. They made sure to stress that point, how much it cost. You know, he brings his $3.6 million car to Raw. He's got issues with The Miz, and then he's shocked that they painted it. It's like, you talked about how much you love this. Like, why would you be surprised that you left your expensive car? Braun Strowman was ripping cars apart a few years ago. Like, this is not something that you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot that that happened. Like, Mr. Superfan. So, obviously, that's clearly BS. But then, like, the, the promo, too, was like, he was like, He's going on and on about like, hey, I liked you guys, and and you guys are beating me up, and that's not right. It's like, you punched Miz in the face a week ago. Like, why do you think that there's no consequences for your actions? Like, at this point, I I know it's not going to happen because they have, you know, they have all this invested in Bad Bunny, and they want to give him that moment and and have the picture circulated circulated on social media. But I am rooting for Miz and Morrison to win this match and break the legs of Bad Bunny, so he I don't have to I I'm almost start to swear here, but so I don't have to see him on TV anymore because that was such a bad story point that ruined everything, and it just it's it's 
an overall problem with WWE of just, just let's, you know what, what, this doesn't make sense to the story, but it's, oh, it's hardcore emotion. This is what we do so well. And they don't. So, I, I mean, a week ago, yes, I would have said, I'm looking forward to that. It, I can't say it now. I'm so bummed. I just want that to be over with. I, I really think it's going to exceed some expectations there. There's just something like, I think maybe the bar's low because, you know, it's a celebrity going in there. But I think there's just going to be a little bit, a, li- a little bit around it. Like I said, Damian Priest, I think, is going to stand out out of it where it's going to be like, hey, if you're not familiar with him, you're going to say, who is this guy? You know, it, the Miz and John Morrison, you know, they're, they've been entertaining for over a decade now that they've been, whether they've been tagging up, granted, Morrison hasn't been in WWE the entire time, but when they're together, it's always something. It's sort of like must-watch television, especially when they have tag matches. All right, let's let's move on to night two before I have an anger stroke. If I have to talk about Bad Bunny some more, like I just, I, it's amazing how bad in one night they ruined that whole thing. When it was the, I said last week on the show, the best built story going into WrestleMania. Night two, what's the match you're most looking forward to, James? We're gonna go once again the main event: Roman Reigns, Edge, and uh, Daniel Bryan. I think it's been a great storyline told. I think the only great storyline told. So I think. That's why, you know, you're captivated to know who's going to win. Is it going to be Edge? Is it going to be Daniel Bryan winning another civil threat? Is it going to be Roman Reigns starting to dominant? So, you know, all those factors, I think that's the match, you know, you glued in to watch. Rob, what do you got? Yeah, I'm going to go with the main event as well. Roman Reigns, uh, Edge, Daniel Bryan. You know, we were talking earlier about how you think the finishes may go. Uh, I still feel that if, if Reigns is to lose it, uh, it's going to be where Daniel Bryan pins Edge so that Roman Reigns doesn't lose any of the heat that he's built up this entire time. Uh, if Reigns is to win, I don't think he pins Edge. I think he's, it's, you've added Daniel Bryan in for a specific reason. Uh, you, I don't think you want to ever hurt Edge with him already being a Hall of Famer. So that's why I, I, this match is going to be a very, very good one to watch, especially when you got three guys going in there. You know, you, Maybe it's because there's the belief that Reigns maybe can't do a real one-on-one match, wrestling match with either guy, or especially with Edge, or is it because Edge is still not 100%? Either way, adding Daniel Bryan into it, I wasn't a big fan of it initially. You know, James mentioned it earlier on about the go-home uh, SmackDown. That was a really, really good scenario with the three of them. That's why I, I really like Daniel Bryan out of this one now, where it's like, if he, if he wins, I would not be shocked for it because it's sort of like, hey, it, you know, seven years ago today is when he... Uh, shocked the world and, and, and won the uh, heavyweight championship in, in the Superdome at WrestleMania 30. So, hey, wouldn't be shocked if he, did it, if he did it again. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I mean, I'm very much looking forward to Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. But the, the Reigns-Edge-Daniel Bryan match, fantastic go-home. And I wasn't the go-home. Well, I guess technically you could say it was if, if we're doing WrestleMania edition of SmackDown this week. But I, I thought they did a fantastic job building that up and then showing Daniel Bryan as a threat on the same level by taking out both Edge and Roman Reigns. And and each guy has their own interests going into this that I, I think no matter what direction you go, there's, there's a good story to tell from it. Now, to me, the most, I think you get the most out of Roman winning and then having Daniel Bryan and Edge, like Edge goes psychotic blaming Daniel Bryan, that kind of thing. But, I mean, there's so many different angles. And I'm not a big fan of the nostalgia stuff of going back. Like, this is, Daniel Bryan won it in a triple threat seven years ago. But that would be a good story beat. And he's the right kind of guy 
that could make that work. So I, I think you guys are both right there. On night two, Reigns, Edge, and Brian is is something that I think is incredibly interesting. Last thing I will talk about before about how bad Raw was this week. Mention it through with a bunch of other stuff. Find me the best story that Raw has going because I'm not saying not saying for a match that you think will be good in spite of the story. I'm just find me the best story from Monday Night Raw on either night one or night two for WrestleMania because I think they all suck. James, we'll start with you. Uh, I agree with you. I think they all suck. But I think the one that if you're going to point to one, you have to go to Randy Orton and The Fiend just do all the character development and all the layers of that story. Especially when Bray Wyatt posted that uh, Husky Harris when uh, Orton punted him off the TV and put... Someone's going to break you so bad, you'll be someone to break you. So that shows the, how much depth they're putting into that storyline. So I think that has to be the best Raw one because there is at least effort and actual not idiotic in that story. Oh, I would disagree. I think that story is almost all idiocy. But, Rob, what do you what do you got? What is the, the best Raw story? Just because I've been a fan of, well, three out of the four this entire, for most of the, their careers, I got to go with uh, the New Day and AJ Styles and uh, almost, even though I don't know anything about almost, uh, obviously outside of being a rookie, but anything that the New Day has done, I've always felt entertaining. Even in this, it's not good, but you know what? It's still something to tune into because it's still, you know, the New Day. Granted, there's no Big E. It's just uh, Xavier Woods and Kofi. I I just got to go with it. They're, it's just still a comedy act with with them now at this point. And it's, it's, it's still worth watching because at least you get a little chuckle out of some stuff here and there with that group. All right. I, you know what? I'll li- I listen to your arguments. I'm not, I disagree with both of them, but I mean, that's where we're at of like, that's what we're trying to sell as your best story out of Monday nights going into WrestleMania is like, they're a good comedy act. And, uh, Hey, that one where the guy got set on fire, that's good long-term storytelling. So, Way hey, can't wait for the uh, Fallout edition of Raw. All right, usually we eliminate somebody here, but since this whole thing has been a one-on-one match, now we just move into a three stages of hell match, and we're at the third stage of hell. Here's the question from Axe S. Mashman at Mash Host on Twitter. Who should win, Bobby Lashley or Drew McIntyre? Rob, we'll start with you. I think Bobby Lashley should win. In this scenario, you know, Bobby Lashley is someone they've built up. Like I mentioned earlier, Drew McIntyre, he had the run for a year. Granted, it's a different scenario with the whole COVID situation. You had no one in, in, in an arena. So you look at this one with Lashley, I think it's his time. Give him, give him the strap. Let him go with it. Let's see how he does as fans start coming back into arenas and stadiums. And let's just see, can, can you build your company around Bobby Lashley? It'll be tough. I mean, we talked about this earlier, his promo skills and everything, but I just think Lashley, it's his time. Give him the chance. Let him give him the ball. Let's see him run run towards that end zone. All right, James, rebuttal. Um, my answer is going to be Bobby Lashley, but my the, the reason is different. The reason I say him is because Raw historically has been ran by a heel champion, going by Triple H and Evolution, Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman, and even Authority Bomb. So really, that is the historical way they like to have their show ran. So I think they'll have it in the same way with all the baby faces trying to chase the almighty Bobby Lashley. 
I'm with you. I think Lashley should win it, but that's more a factor of I think Drew McIntyre's been so piss poor for the last year that I and you, there is a possibility you could reform the hurt business, you know, the the next night after Raw or whatnot, or, or I don't know, reset Lashley with with MVP as a, as a new dominant force. There's there's a couple different ways to go for it, but I think you get more out of Lashley as the champ than Drew McIntyre. Next up, Sasha Banks, Bianca Belair. James, we'll start with you. Who should win? I'm going with Bianca Belair. You got to start off with the, with the young lion. This young lion coming in, having a great match with Sasha Banks, beating her and establishing herself as the lead babyface on SmackDown. Rob, that's why I like how the question is: Who should win, not who will win? To me, who should win is Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks still has an entire fan base around her. She is the boss. Everyone loves her. There is no one who has anything negative to say about Sasha Banks. They love her matches. They love seeing her. That's why I don't think she should be the one handing over the title to Bianca Belair. I would have preferred someone else in a different scenario with it. But we do know that it's going to be, you know, the two of them could have, will have the best potential match. Like I said, it's who should win. I think Sasha Banks should win, but who will win? It will be Bianca Belair. I completely agree that Sasha Banks should win. I, I do think there's an interesting story beat. Uh, I mentioned this before of her not winning at WrestleMania that, you know, she could do a reverse Undertaker streak kind of thing. But I also look at this as when Bianca Belair was wrestling Shayna Baszler in NXT on a takeover, I was like, she's not ready yet. I don't think she was, I don't think she was there where she needed to be promo wise to take the title off Baszler. And she lost the match. And then it was like a year later, she was right there with Rhea, with Rhea Ripley and Charlotte, and she was right there with her promos and absolutely deserved to be in the spot. I don't think it's the exact same reasoning now because I think Bianca is more complete than she was then, but I still think this is the right time for, hey, you're not ready yet, rookie, and make Sasha Banks an absolute force, pretty much along the lines of what Bailey was for most of the last year, and then make it mean something when you actually take the title off instead of just doing it for like, oh, look at this sweet moment. I don't think it's as impactful. Last one we have Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan, Edge. Who should win? Rob. Got to go with Roman Reigns on this one. He is the face of the company. There's no reason that you should not have Roman Reigns standing in the, on the top turnbuckle of WrestleMania with the fireworks going and him pointing to the, to the uh, little ship that's out there in the end zone. Uh, crowd all whether they're cheering or booing Roman Reigns is the guy we always wondered hey if they actually built it around him gave him this type of character could he actually be the face of the of the company I think he fully is that guy right now I was I'm ecstatic they actually went with this there should be no hesitation here Reigns should be the guy James you're up I'm going with Reigns as well but my reasoning is going to be because of the aftermath. I think going after WrestleMania, you have to go with Reigns just to you can build programs around him and have to have the belt. You can't, I feel, do the same with Daniel Bryan and Edge. I feel like the, their storylines don't really commute to a compelling story after WrestleMania. I think with Roman Reigns, you'll see, okay, he's ahead of the table, so I have a new challenger, and you can go through there. Now, I think you can also go with Daniel Bryan versus Edge for uh, a WrestleMania after program right 
I completely agree with Roman Reigns should win this thing. And, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. It's just, I think you get more out of Roman Reigns leaving as the champion and Daniel Bryan and Edge spending the next few months beating the hell out of each other and giving great matches that probably steal a show on whatever pay-per-view they're on. I think that's the, that's the right way to go. And you allow the division to kind of reset. And, and something that you mentioned earlier, Rob, was freshen up get new challenges in there for Roman Reigns. So that way you can go back to whatever, you know, SummerSlam. It's Daniel Bryan versus, versus Roman Reigns. And it's it doesn't feel like it's been a drain because you've been doing that for, you know, four to six months at that point in time. So now I have to make a decision. Who swayed me the most here? Based on the main event, I'm going with Rob is tonight's champion. Rob, go ahead, cut your promo. I'm just totally taken aback right now. I, 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 I'm shocked. This is like my Hall of Fame speech right now. I, I mean, like this is one of the greatest moments. I know I probably only have three minutes, as Eric Bischoff said earlier tonight at his Hall of Fame induction. It's just, I, I can't believe it. I finally, I've climbed the mountaintop, and I've gotten to that spot. Granted, it's like the interim heavyweight champion. You know, I can't wait to go ahead head to head against you again. Reynolds will come in champion versus champion. Let's put it in the middle. Let's climb that ladder and let's just see who really is the champion here of the shooting shooting star podcast. Oh man, it's, if you can't get the name right, shooting pod press, it's it's gonna be. I'm sorry, I was I was I'm like shaking right now. I I got no. I got my I got my 1990s foam WWF championship belt over my shoulder now. I'm <laughs> instead of Billy Timber on Twitter, I can say my name to Sammy Timber on Twitter because I think it's a conspiracy due to me yet have got that belt yet. So but hey, it's okay. You know what I'm me and me and my uh and my stemma crew will be there next week. You know, to for the crowning dual moment when I beat both of you, champion and paper champion next week. <laughs> you gotta keep you gotta stay on that hunt, James. You gotta stay on that hunt, keep working, and then eventually you'll get there, man. You're, like, you're on the hangman page trajectory. All right, like you're. Thank you, Ronald. Appreciate you're, it. Yeah, you're working your way up there, but you're just not ready yet. You know. <laughs> Good. <sighs> hey, James. No matter what, you're definitely not the B plus player of this podcast, man. We're all eight. We're all A players out here. Hey, I appreciate, it. but you, but you're still going down, everything. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all the all the threats and the going aside, I did want to throw this one thing that wasn't on the format here. But it kind of sparked me when a little bit of AEW talk is, have you seen all this talk about too many factions in AEW? Like where people are, are mad that there's too many factions and then there's another group that's furious that people are mad that there's too many factions? Are either of you guys up on that? Well, I, I think like, I don't really have a problem with it as long as they have storylines with them. Like, so if you have a whole bunch of factions and they're not doing anything, they look stupid. But if you have a lot of factions and they actually have compelling arguments and storylines why they're fighting each other, why they're going against each other, then yeah, it makes sense. But I think so at all I think that's all up to creative. If that's gonna work or not. Rob, what do you think I anything agree. on that? No, I, I agree with James on that one. It, I, I also have to look at the amount of guys on the roster with AEW and also their different agreements that oh they're gonna go into the NWA or they're gonna go into Impact or whatever it may be that we're trying to do crossover promotional work and everything. You know, you as long as you have storylines for these guys, it's fine. 
Now, are you trying to force storylines for guys like just because you have the Dark Order still, you have the Death Triangle, you have the Hardy Family Office, the Hybrid Two, Jurassic Express, the Nightmare Family, which I don't know how many people are in it now and was and then Pinnacle, as well as the Inner Circle. So at this point now, it's sort of like okay, you there's a little bit of there for everyone, but is it going to be like WWF 1997 where you had the Nation of Domination and the DOA and Los Boricuas? Why? Because you just want, you had more people and you just had to find a reason to utilize them. I, I I do like obviously Pinnacle versus the Inner Circle and especially the the little fallout where they're uh, where MJF and, and Pinnacle were in uh, the Inner Circle locker room and all of a sudden they open up to go to the bathroom or MJF's going to like redo the bathroom and there's the Inner Circle and they're going to try to walk out and there's Jake Hager. That was an outstanding little beatdown they had there. I I really, really enjoyed that. When we talk about the Nightmare Family, with I'm mean, not a Cody Rhodes fan. I am, I mean, the one that has the most talent out of that entire family, I've always felt, was Dustin Rhodes. But all of a sudden, you, you had Billy, I'll just say Billy, and his son from the gun club in. I don't understand where that comes from. Like, just to throw different guys in to make a faction, I just don't get well, that's that's my issue with this whole thing. If, if Pinnacle and Inner Circle made sense, right? Because it was MJF's plan to take out Chris Jericho in an Inner Circle. Fine, I'm okay with that. Where I start to have the issue is, you know, you already started listing them off, like you know, Team Taz, Nightmare Factory, you know, then then QT Marshall split, and that's the one that really kind of set me over the edge because it was like they haven't really done the work to set that split up to make it mean it means something, you know, to, with QT Marshall. Like, it's that's pretty much like, I don't know who the fair comparison would be, but it, it would be almost like Hakushi getting, all of a sudden getting a faction, you know, when, the, when there really wasn't anything built up for him as a real threat. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that was, I have that issue with it. It's also, to me, too much of the same thing because Pinnacle just took out Inner Circle three weeks prior. Now you get the same thing that QT Marshall is doing to Cody Rhodes and his family. It's, we just saw this. It means less now. And then I also had an, I had an issue with when they brought back Inner Circle. I, I didn't think it was the right time. I thought they should have waited the whole month of April and had Pinnacle gloating and then do the big setup right before Double or Nothing to, to bring that back. But it just, the, the, to me, the issue becomes, and it's something that James was saying, if the creative direction is there, fine, but I haven't seen the creative direction there for this. And if everybody on your favorite TV show all of a sudden randomly started joining a basketball team, you'd be like, what the hell is going on here? You know, like everything is the same story and it, it means less. It devalues what the, the threat of the faction. And I also think the secondary thing to this is it makes it harder for those lower level guys to actually develop their own character and identity. Like, do I know? Well, what I-, I have a question for you. Yeah. So outside of, the inner circle and pinnacle, what faction would you push outside of those two major factions? Right now in AEW, I mean, probably none. Like I, I, I guess you could say Dark Order, you know, because they're, they got a good comedy thing going that could serve well on the undercard and, and not disrupt too much, and it's already been pretty much established. But I'm I'm just not a big fan of the overwhelming amount of factions. And and Rob brought it up of saying, you know, Los Bariquas, DOA. It's something I mentioned before. 
on Twitter, again, you can follow me, at IamReynolds2305, is it's just like there's too much. And then it's like you, you end up with, with tag team matches with like eight ball and skull against D'Lo and Mark Henry. And it's like, do I really need to see that on the undercard of this show on a weekly basis? But the, I want to make the, the, the point on the characters breaking out. Does this do anything more for Aaron Solo now that he's turned on Cody Rhodes or anything? Do I know anything more about that character? Now, there's still time to do something with that. But, I mean, you know, more than likely it's just going to be, oh, that's just one of QT's guys. How helpful is that really? You know what I'm saying? Right. No, it really, it really isn't. And I, I truly think that one of the reasons that we're starting to get a little bit of these factions, I mean, look at the Nightmare family. Nobody cares about Cody Rhodes in AEW. I mean, he, we all know he's sort of the face of, not sort of, he really is the face of it. Tony Khan, obviously writing things in it, into it. Everyone was starting to talk about Pinnacle versus the Inner Circle. But is Cody Rhodes just like his father, that his ego is so big that, oh, if you're not talking about me, we have to find a way for you to talk about me? So all of a sudden, you took his little faction that nobody really paid attention to because all we ever really paid attention to was, hey, Cody was the TNT champion, and he was doing his matches that whether you compared it to, oh, this is the old-style NWA you know, television championship, I kind of looked at it as either the uh, John Cena U.S title challenges or the Rodney Mack white boy challenges where it's like okay he's going to have a match every night against some random guy that we don't really know you know I think that's what a lot of it is just creatively you have way too many guys trying to get themselves at the forefront and if by doing all these different factions and trying to make your stands out yeah it's not going to be the best thing for it It, realistically I just go with you just got to go with the two right now pinnacle and the inner circle that is outstandingly done. MJF is the best heel going in all of wrestling. That absolutely, guy, absolutely. That guy, nobody likes him. He is the guy everybody loves to hate. His promo skills are off the charts. He just, all of a sudden, for him to do those things, so what, his facial expressions on television are so good. Like when Pinnacle is beating the crap out of the inner circle, he's just sitting on, t- on the top turnbuckle, he's kind of looking down looking at his, at his uh, championship ring, and it's just sort of like, oh, it's like, oh, like I'm the smartest man in the room right now. My plan came together. This guy is just so good. Look, yeah. He, and, he and, knows all the, the, the little old school nuances of being a heel, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. M- MJF think is really- very good. I, I My issue has always been I think people are trying to throw too much on him too early. I, I'm tired of hearing the he's Ric Flair stuff. Like, give him time to get there. I think he's I think he's very good. He's a, an outstanding actor, particularly for pro wrestling. The the whole turn from, you know, the the line of, you know, I, I never wanted to take over the inner circle. I was too busy building my own. The the cowardly fear to what you know, cunning manipulator that he that he switched on a dime and then the whole lay dinner debonair thing. Like the, the guy's fantastic and he's a big part of their future. But I, I, I'm tired of hearing about, you know, he's already at Ric Flair's level and he's Roddy Piper and this and that. That's my only issue with him, and that's more of how people present him than a, a thing about him. Totally agree. All right. I totally agree with that. There we go. That's what I was waiting on. I was waiting for a long pause. I was like, somebody needs to validate my opinion right now. All right. We're going to end the show on that note. We got WrestleMania coming up. So on next week's show, Axe S. Mashman should be back handling the the hosting duties, and then we'll go back to fighting each other 
in a complete I'm down the camp camp. in a complete faction warfare. I'll have 16 people with me next week. Uh, we'll do all that stuff again. I am your host, Reynolds at I am Reynolds 2305. Rob is your champion for tonight. Rob, give your Twitter handle one more time. I am at Rob Katka, R-O-B-B-T-A-T-K-A. And staying on the hunt, your lovable loser is James. James, go ahead and give your Twitter handle. Uh, Billy, at Billy Kimber, 1990. And hey, man, happy to have the audience, man. Happy to just talk wrestling with you guys. Yeah, it's always a good time, guys. That's going to be the show for this week. Shooting Pod Press. Until next time, we're out of here.